Good morning. So, uh, Mike was Mike called and he was like, "Well, I need I need somebody that's really gifted in the Word and powerful in the Spirit." And that person was available, so you can can you teach us Sunday? And I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so, uh, now imagine a, ser- a scenario, a um, a plague or a scourge, if you will, that is so devastating that it literally has destroyed seven nations. I mean, down to the rubble, like there's no people left. Um, that a plague that has attacked uh, kings and rulers and, and, you know, some of them outright killed, some of them so deformed them that they were just beyond recognition and the people ousted them out of the, their kingdom or out of their nation. Um, imagine something that's so infective that it's, that it's just an absolute destructive force. So picture that scenario in your head. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Anybody imagine what that is? Sin. It is sin. It's a particular kind of sin. We're going to talk about pride today. Now, uh, I admit that my true reason from preaching on pride is because I need to hear this. Um, unfortunately, pride is something that I've struggled with all my life. I remember I've even gone back and looked at journals when I was a teenager and writing, you know, about my struggle with sin or whatever. And it was always I was like, wow, it was pride back then too. <laughs> You know, uh, so we're going to talk about pride, and it, this has been such a fruitful study for me uh, this week. It has truly uh, been a blessing. I hope that it's a blessing to you. Um, I want to say a special thanks to Wayne Mack, because um, one, one way that when I do topical studies is I like to go and get um, all the words that mean that, that, um, that topic and all the different nuances and things like that. And so when I started looking through pride in the Bible, first of all, it was, it was so overwhelming in the Bible. It was just like, okay, I'm, I can't even begin to start. Like, I don't even know where to start. And so on a, I thought, I think I have a book on pride somewhere on my shelf. So I, I pulled out a study that we had done a long time ago in the church on humility by Wayne Mack. And praise the Lord, at the back of his book, he says, select, you know, verses, uh, biblical verses on pride. And it was like... 150-something verses, you know, passages. But it was so much better than my, like, 300 that I had found so far. So uh, I, I literally went through each of those verses, what this, uh, the Scripture said about pride, and just wrote down what it said, and then I categorized all the information. So this is uh, hopefully completely from Scripture, and um, I guess it's my interpretation of what this what the Scripture was saying and, and, and how to process it. But we're going to talk about four things. We're going to talk about what... Number one, what is the definition of pride? Uh, what's the source of pride? What's the fruit of pride in our lives? And then lastly, uh, or no, not five things, sorry. What's the consequences of pride if it goes unchecked? And then what is the answer for pride in the life of a believer? So those are the things we're going to talk about. So the first thing we're going to look at is what is pride? Like when we think of pride, what do you think of it? What do you think of? And I know that Joel doesn't always do question and answer, but I like to do question and answer, so you've got to answer me, okay? So, uh, what is pride? Glorifying yourself. Glorifying yourself. Okay, that's a, that's a pretty good definition. Thinking more of yourself than you Oh, that's a good definition. And actually, it could be self-pity, which you don't think about that as being prideful, but self-pity. Okay, absolutely, self-pity. Are you hearing some common denominators in there? Self. Self. I. Uh, I grew up in the 80s, and there was a band called New Song. Uh, anybody know New Song? Yeah. Uh, and they had a song way back. They used to write really good theological songs, and one of the songs that they had was Pride. It was, I, me, my, mine. Pride will get you every time. Four words that spell de- demise. I, me, my, mine. You know, and I, that song's been going through my head all week, which is hilarious. But um, So I'm going to look at some... I, what I did when I went through there is I realized that the Bible gives some very good definitions of what pride is. All right, uh, the first two passages we're going to look at uh, go together. Uh, the first one is Leviticus chapter twenty-six, verse fourteen through twenty. So everybody, turn there. Leviticus twenty, uh, yeah, twenty-six.
Now Leviticus 26 says, but if you do not obey me and carry, do not and sorry and do not carry out all these commandments, if instead you reject my statutes and if your soul abhors my ordinances so as to not carry out all my commandments and so break my covenant, I in turn will do this to you. I will appoint over you a sudden terror, consumption and fever that will waste away the eyes and cause the soul to pine away. Also, you will sow your seed uselessly, for your enemies will eat it up. I will set my face against you, so that you will be struck down before your enemies, and those who hate you will rule over you, and you will flee when no one is pursuing you. If also after these things you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. I will also break down the pride of your power. I will make your sky like iron and your earth like bronze. Your strength will be spent uselessly. For your land will not yield its produce, and the trees of the land will not yield their fruit. All right, before we get started deep in this day, I realize that uh, I do want to pray and ask the Lord to give us wisdom and understanding in this. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that your word speaks to us, and we don't have to speak to ourselves. Lord, I pray that um, we will truly have hearts to recognize how pride infects us, because I believe that it infects every single human on this planet. And I just pray that we would see it in ourselves, and see the fruit of it, and that we would repent. And Father, I pray that we would humbly turn to you, and that we would uh, obey you in everything in this. And Father, I pray that you would, uh, your spirit would just uh, be present in this place, in our hearts, that you would speak to us through your word, that you would open up our minds and give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We are completely reliant upon you, Lord, and we pray these things in your precious name. Amen. All right. So, if we look at this definition, uh, this passage right here, um, this passage actually goes hand in hand with another passage in Deuteronomy. So, I want to look at both of these side by side. So, look at Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 7 as well. So, kind of keep your finger there in Leviticus. And we'll look at Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 17, sorry. All right, so in Leviticus, he says, um, in verses uh, 18, If after also all these things you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins, and I will break down the pride of your power, and I will make your sky like iron and your earth like bronze. So he's basically saying that, you know, God is going to judge the, the pride here by turning the heavens, you know, into bronze. What does that mean? Unyielding. It's it's hard. It's 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 like metal. So, there the the sky itself is not going to produce any rain. It's not going to, uh, you know. And some people speak about this metaphorically that their prayers are going to hit the ceiling, so to speak. Um, but the earth, like bronze, means that the I mean, uh, like iron, the earth is not going to yield its produce anymore. So, I was thinking about well, what is it here that's causing the pride? And if you flip over to to Deuteronomy, it gives the answer. So Deuteronomy eight. 1 through 17. So let's read that whole passage. It says, All the commandments that I'm commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give you or give to your forefathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you, knowing to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandment or not. He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell in these forty years. Thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without scarcity, in which you will not lack anything, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware 
that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. All right, so if we're looking at these two passages, what then is pride? Okay, forgetting God. I think it's just dependence too on yourself and what you have. I think that always seems to lead pride when you start depending on your your own abilities or your own success instead of looking to God as the source of everything you have. Absolutely, and that's what I had. I had pride is self reliance. Like that is one definition of pride is just self reliance. I mean, here you have the the. Israelites, I mean, God could not have spelled it out anymore. I did these things, is what the Lord is saying. You were in Egypt, you were, you know, in slavery, and I brought you out. I fed you with bread coming down from heaven. I, I am giving you this land. Uh, all you have to do is go in and drive out the people, but I'm giving it to you. It's, it's got everything you need. It's got copper, it's got iron, it's got everything you need. And so this is what he's telling the people but he's warning them that they're going to get into that land and that what's the first thing they're going to start doing? Or what's the, what's the warning he says? You're going to forget God, but before then, well, that's number one, 11, you're going to forget God. And how are you going to forget God? By not keeping his commandments. By not keeping his commandments. So pride is self-reliance, but the but part of the beginning of that, or I would say the beginning of that, is the willful disobedience to God. But I think it starts with forgetting God. Pride forgets God. So pride is the self-reliance um, that we see here. Um, you can also look in, um, well, well, we'll go there in just a minute. Um, another, a couple other passages uh, shed some light on what pride is. Look at Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. All right, now this is a passage that's talking about the king of Babylon. Um, and there are many people that say that this is also a picture of Satan. Um, so let's look at this. It says, uh, verse 12, it says, How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who weakened the nations. But you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. All right? So this is a a picture of pride. Um, This is a word picture of literally what the word pride means in the Old Testament. Okay? So what what would you say pride means from this, this passage? Yeah, I am God, all right? But he's, what's he doing to himself here? He's exalting himself. Literally, the word for pride in the Old Testament means self-exaltation. It's to lift yourself up. Like the word, like if you actually look at the word, um, it's used equally to say, like, um, lift the gates up. It's the same word as lift, you know, the person is prideful. So it would be like, in the English, it would be like saying, well, he's really lifty. <laughs> I mean, but that's the same idea, but it's the idea that you're lifting yourself up above where you should be. Um, Isaiah 47, 7 through uh, 10 gives the same picture, so let's look at that. Seven through ten, Isaiah forty-seven, seven to ten. Okay, this is also talking about uh, Babylon. Said so you, yet you said, "I will be a queen forever." 
These things you did not consider, nor remember the outcome of them. But now then hear this, you sensual one, who dwells securely, who says in your heart, I am, and there is no one beside me. I will not sit as a widow, nor know the loss of children. Okay, so if you think about um, this verse right here, we can stop right there, because really that's the picture. Who says in her heart what? What's she saying? I am. What is that? Yeah, who says that about himself in Scripture? God does. That's the, that's the word that God uses when Moses says, who are you? He says, I am. Okay, so this is Babylon saying, I am, and there is no other. So really, if you think about it, idolatry is not just self-reliance. It's self-exaltation to the point where you think that you are God. Um, we can see that in a lot of other places. Um, and we'll go there in just a minute. But look at also at uh, Habakkuk 2, 4 through 9. I know that we don't often hit through Habakkuk. And honestly, I'd forgotten that this is where this passage out of Romans comes from that we quote so often, but it's Habakkuk 2, 4 through 9. Let's see if you can find Habakkuk before me. <laughs> now, this is the disadvantage of old school Bibles. All right, somebody read that passage. Habakkuk 2, 4 through 9. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right with him, but the righteous will live by his faith. Furthermore, wine betrays the haughty man, so that he does not stay at home. He enlarges his appetite like Sheol, and he is like death never satisfied. He also gathers to himself all nations and collects to himself all peoples. Will not all of these take up a taunt song against him, even mockery and insinuations against him, and say, Woe to him who increases what is not his, for how long, and makes himself rich with loans? Okay, we can stop there. So really, I was wanting to look at verses 4 and 5. So, uh, first of all, there's a contrast there in verse 4. What's the contrast between? Uh, someone who puffs up and someone who uh, lives by faith. Right. Okay, so there's the, the proud one and then the righteous, right? So, a lot of times in Scripture, it's, uh, a good definition is looking at the antonym. You know, what is it not? So, what is, what is pride not? Yeah, righteous living by what? Faith. faith. So pride is the opposite of righteous living. It's the opposite of faith. Okay? Um, instead, um, it says, the proud one, his soul is not right within him. Okay, and if you look in verses 5, it's talking about some of the things that he does. He's, um, he's you know, the wine betrays him, talking about the prosperity. Um, he doesn't stay at home. He enlarges his appetites, so his appetites... Um, he's like death, it's never satisfied, and then he's never satisfied, so it, uh, in the next few verses it talks about how he's looting people and plundering them, taking their houses and building up his little kingdom. So pride is the opposite of faith, it's the opposite of righteousness. Um, look at Jeremiah 13, 9-10. It says, Thus says the Lord, Just so I will destroy the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem, this wicked people who refuse to listen to my words, who walk in the stubbornness of their hearts and have gone after other gods to serve them and to bow down. Let them be just like this waistband, which is totally useless. Um, In verse 6, he's talking about how he rise and go to the Euphrates and take from there this waistband, which I've commanded you. Um, And the waistband was ruined and totally worthless. So it was a judgment upon Judah. But what is he saying about, what is, what is he relating pride to? Like, what is he making it equal to? Okay, it's uselessness. But read in verse 10. Stubbornness in their heart. And what is that produced in them? Idolatry. 
Okay, so pride leads to this idolatry. In fact, I would say that pride is idolatry. Uh, look at Second Timothy three two, and we'll see what it's the idolatry of. Verse one says, but this is three verse one. But realize this: that in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money. Boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Um, I would say that that pride really is the idolatry of self. It's not just that. I mean, when we go back to Deuteronomy, the the Israelites were thinking about. Well, I did this. I produced this land. I've got this. Um, you know, Babylon was, I am the nation. I am the nation. Idolatry really is nothing more than, it's just the idolatry of yourself. You know, Second Timothy says, lovers of self. So it's that self-loving, self-seeking. Um, and when it boils down to it, Psalm 10, 2 through 3, uh, we'll flip there. So if you had all these memorized, we could just go a lot faster and... So Psalm 10, 2-3. says, In pride the wicked hotly pursue the afflicted. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. For the wicked boasts of his heart desires, and the greedy man curses and spurns the Lord. Um, oh, verse 4. I cut myself off too fast on this. It says, The wicked, in his haughtiness and his countenance, does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. So think about that. All right. I want us to just think about the, the pride in, in our life. Um, when we are acting under the form of pride, we are act, or when we're giving in to pride, we're basically acting like a. God is not God. I'm God, and really, you're saying really there there is no God, like you're being an atheist, you know. And we would never want to be accused of that in our life. We're like, no, we love the Lord. We love the Lord. But if you are giving in to the sin of pride, if you are um, being self reliant anyway, then you are doing these things. Okay. Simply put, uh, Proverbs twenty one four says that uh, pride, it says haughtiness, conceited, is sin. I mean, it just lays it out there. Pride is sin. It's it's it's. I, in my opinion, it's the root of most sin, if not the root of all sin. I mean, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of sin. But you see, even in Scripture, that the love of money is often rooted in pride. Um, it, it causes people to be pride. So what is the source of pride? All right, uh, we've already looked at Deuteronomy 8, but I would say that pride comes, for, comes when we take for granted that which we didn't earn, okay, or that which we didn't make, we didn't produce. Um, you know, it was a scandal recently when uh, a former president was like, you didn't do that, and everybody was like, oh, I did so, I made this company, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's almost like he was speaking prophetically because if the Lord had said that to somebody, it would be so true. You know, we, you didn't make that company. The Lord gave that to you. You didn't, you know, even if you're like, even if you physically did it, the Lord gave you your body to be able to do that. The Lord gave you your mind. The Lord gave you the intelligence to make those transactions. The Lord gave you that business shrewdness. You know, the Lord gave you the, the brain to do your learning. The Lord gives you the breath to breathe every day, you know. But we become prideful when we start to take credit for that. You know, and I know that looking around this room, there's lots of you that are very talented and very skilled and very intelligent and you have all of these good gifts and it is so easy to take credit for that. You know, people are like, oh, you did a good job with that. And you're like, yeah, thanks. You know, and, and I think sometimes as a Christian, we don't even, we're so prideful, we don't really even know how to handle that. Like when somebody praises us for something that we did a good job on. Because sometimes... 
you realize I, I did do it. Like, this is a good job, you know? You ever, you ever felt that way? And tell me I'm not the only person. It's like, you did something, it's like, you're like, you secretly want to go, yes, that was so good. And, and you're like, and you, but then you're like, Ugh. and you have to give the glory to the Lord, you know, because he, you know, he did give them this good land. He did give them this, this, this property that he brought them out, but they started not thinking of it that way. And they started not thinking of it that way because they started becoming disobedient to the Lord. They were not giving thanks where thanks was due. They were not giving credit to the Lord. First uh, Corinthians uh, 4 shows the same picture. This is a New Testament uh, example of that. Poor Corinthians, uh, that church, um, a lot of my scripture references today are going to come from Corinthians, and so bless them. We can learn from their example. Um, if we look at verse 6, um, now the Corinthians were just plagued by uh, factions. They, they were plagued by people saying, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, I'm of Cephas. And then people, some people were like, even more, I'm of God, you know, and, and, um, and, but he's, just Paul rebuking them, he says, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sake, so that in us you may learn not to exceed what is written, so that no one of you will become arrogant and be half of one against the other. For who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? Think about that. Think about anything in your life. What do you have that you didn't receive? It's like, well... I got this paycheck. Well, you received it because God gave you the ability to work. Because I've been in this position where I could not work. You know, after I had my hip surgery, I could not work. And it was frustrating. And I lost money. And it was just like, ugh. But I think about that all the time. You know, God, like that, could give me a stroke and I could not work. You know, uh, he could blind me and I wouldn't be able to see. Uh, all of these things, you know, it's like, he could just literally do what he did to Nebuchadnezzar and just take away his power of reason. And then, what are you going to do with that? Um, live like a cow, because that's what, that's what he did. Um, so, wh- what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? So, that's what his, his rebuke um, to the Corinthians. And if you keep reading, he says, you are all, he's being sarcastic to them. You are already filled. You have already become rich. You've become kings with all this. Indeed, I wish that you had become kings so that you might reign with us. Um, so he was saying to them, it's like, you have everything from God, but you're not acting like it. Instead, you're going around like, I, you know, this can't, I, meaning, basically, they were saying, I am so smart that I'm choosing to align myself with Apollos, because obviously, he's the best preacher, and he's so skilled in words and whatever, and other people are like, well, no, I am definitely a Paul, because he's a great theologian or whatever, and then somebody's like, I'm a Peter, because he was, you know, the rock and the, the, upon this church that's going to build, and other people are like, yeah, but those are all people, I'm of God, and I'm, but they're really just exalting themselves. Um, and so that's what pride is. It, it, the source of it comes from taking for granted or taking even credit for things that we have received from God that we, that we have not ever produced. Um, you can even see this. It's really the state of all humanity. If you look at Romans 1, I think Romans one twenty one is kind of like the crux of all sin. It says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. They knew who God was. They knew everything that they needed to know, that, that their gifts didn't come from them, their, their strength or whatever. They did not honor God. They didn't give God the credit that He deserves. And they didn't give thanks for the things that they have. And so what was the... What was the punishment or the the consequence. It says they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. And then the rest of Romans spends time talking about what that is. And if you look all the way down, um, one of those fruit is in verse 29, or sorry, verse 30, the slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful. I mean, so it's, it's just, it's a fruit of 
our fallenness. It's a fruit of the fact that in our hearts as sinful human beings, we did not give and would not give God credit for what He has done apart from His saving us. All right? But specifically, some, the Bible listen, uh, lists some situations which would cause us to stumble into pride. One of those uh, is in 1 Timothy 4, 6. It talks about, um, do not be quick to put a person into leadership who's a new convert, because it says, lest he become conceited and fall into the condemnation that, uh, of, that, of the devil, or the condemnation that the devil got. So um, it can come when we're put into positions that we're not ready for. Okay, um, So this happens, unfortunately, a lot in churches, uh, because churches are so... Um, you have this new convert, and they're on fire for Jesus, and they're like, yay, you know, let's attack hell with a water pistol, and, and they're just so excited, and they're like, oh, great, let's put him in charge of a Sunday school class. You know, it's like, no, <laughs> he's not ready. The Bible specifically gives warnings that, because what can happen is uh, another source of pride, if you look over in 1 Corinthians 8, 1, is knowledge puffs up. Like, having knowledge can cause you to be prideful. So this, this young convert, this person who's uh, preaching, that quickly can go to their head. And they can think, I am a great preacher. I am a good Sunday school teacher. I am godly. I am holy. And, you know, notice the I, I, I. All right, so that is a, that is a um, source of pride that the Bible talks about. Two things. So the being put into position of authority we're not ready for. And also knowledge. <coughs> Okay, um, there's the joke about, you know, people who get their bachelor's degrees, they think they know everything. And when you get your master's degree, you realize you don't know anything. And when you get your doctorate's degree, you realize nobody else does either. So, um, but I've seen it so much where people coming fresh out of school, and I'm sure I was this way myself, you know, it's like, I have this degree, I know everything, you know. Um, some of you are like shaking your head because you've, you've seen those people too. Uh, or maybe you're shaking your head because you were that people. Um, so we, we, we think, you know, we learn something and we just immediately turn around and we're like, oh, no, I know this. You've you got to listen to me. You've got to listen to me. Um, unfortunately, that's something that I've struggled with a lot because, um, you know, I'm a teacher. I do know these things. I have to teach you, right? Uh, but, like, even, but like specifically, I'm a teacher in a, in a school, so I teach kids all day. And so it is so tempting when the kids, like, ask you a question. I can tell them anything, and they're going to believe it. It's, it's hilarious. But it's like, um, but it is so easy to become prideful then because you think that, well, I'm the expert. I know things. So that's why knowledge puffs up, all right? Because honestly, we don't know anything apart from the Lord giving us that knowledge, and we should give credit to Him. And if we know things, we know things by the grace of God, all right? Um, Pride uh, can also come from having abundance of material things. Look at 1 Corinthians 5.16. And we've kind of seen this alluded to in Scripture already with Deuteronomy. But um, 1 Timothy 5.16. Sorry, 1 Timothy. I don't know what I said. Sorry, 1 Timothy 5.16. Actually, it's 6.16. I apologize. 1 Timothy 6.16. And it's not even 616, it's 617. I don't even know what I wrote. <laughs> I'll blame Wayne Mack on that one. Yeah, that's it. All right. Uh, I will confess that there were a couple of passages that he wrote in that list that I opened up and I'm like, I don't really understand what he's going for at all. And I'm, I'm just having to assume that there were typos or something because I was like, uh, you know, God so loved the world. What? What does this have to do? No, I'm just kidding. All right. So um, if you look at verse. 1 Timothy 6, 17, it says, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Um, Literally, being rich or having material possessions can cause us to be prideful. Why is that? Okay, definitely. Well, so feeds and supports our, our natural self-reliance. 
Okay, yeah. In what way? Yeah, it's it's easy to be humble when you're poor. Why? Yeah, you realize your need for everything. You know, when a lot of us, when we were first married, we didn't have you know nearly as much money as we have now, and we it was very easy to go, hey, can we come by your house and and eat lunch <laughs> to your parents because it's like because we don't have any groceries. You know, it's like you know how many of you have that experience? <laughs> yeah. my, my kids are in here. Yeah, they do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's easy to be reliant on others when we realize we have that need. But when we have wealth and we have money, we start providing, quote, providing for our own needs. When really, the attitude should always be that God is providing this through this job that he has given me or this investment or whatever it is, however you get your money, that God has given me this and he's providing this. And you're still thankful. And, but in, in, in recognition of that it's all God's, then you would give, you would turn around and be rich in good works and generous and ready to share in verse 18. All right. Um, and unfortunately... Uh, we can't get away from pride because if you look at First uh, John two sixteen, he basically says that pride is one of those things that it's just the way of the world. Um, it says the I'll read it because I can't quote it. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from this world. I mean, we we can't get away from it because. It's in this world. I mean, it's actually promoted by this world. And unfortunately, in our culture, it's a cultural thing. You know, Americans, pull yourself up by the bootstrap. Live the American dream. Go from the worst to first. You know, uh, you come into this country as a poor immigrant, and now you're a, you know, a mogul of some empire. You know, and that's, that's, the, that's what is pushed into us from the time, culturally, from the time we're, you know, little. It's like uh, this whole... If, and if the authorities are wrong, then buck the authority, you know, rebel, let's form a new nation. You know, that's what we are grounded in as in this country. But that's not from just this country. That's from the world, the world system. And the reason it's there is because, unfortunately, if you look at Mark 7.22, uh, Jesus is talking about it's not the outward things that defile a man, but that which comes from in. And guess what's right on that list? Pride. Pride, it comes from within. It's, no one has to teach us to be prideful. It's part of our fallen nature. We are prideful. And the sooner we recognize that, the better off we'll be. So I want to list um, some of the things, and I, I think I'm just going to list these, and you can write these verses down if you want these verses, because uh, we're going to be running out of time. Um, these are some fruit of pride. So if you want to know, are you prideful? Hopefully you're recognizing your own pride, but if you're not, listen to these things and maybe you'll recognize yourself in some of these. Okay, number one, pride, like we said, pride causes us to become self-reliant and not listen to sound advice. This is uh, from 2 Kings 14, 9-11, and it's about, um, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, this is about Hezekiah, and, and he did not listen to sound advice, and he became boastful and proud of the accomplishments that he had done. Okay? 2 Kings 14, 9-11. So pride causes us, like we already said, to become self-reliant. But we also don't listen to advice. Okay? In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, uh, probably some of you memorize this as, as a young person, says, if my people who are called by, na- by their name will do what? Humble will humble themselves and pray. Um, so I was thinking about that, and I thought, you know what? Pride causes us not to pray. Why are we not praying? Because we're not humble, but why? Are, but what? But why are we not praying? We don't need anything. I mean, we only pray. It seems like when we need something, but we really only pray when we recognize our need for something, and we need everything from the Father. Okay, Second uh, Chronicles thirty-two, thirty-five through thirty-one. Um, pride causes us to be thankless. We're not thankful for things. Um, I want to look at this one. Psalm forty-nine, eleven through twelve.
says, Their inner thought is that their houses are forever, and that their dwelling places to all generations. They have called their lands after their own names. But man in his pomp will not endure. He is like the beasts that perish. I mean, truly, pride causes us to think that our material things are eternal things. It causes us to think that the things that we have here and now, this is what matters, but it's not. Um, Psalm 119.21 says that pride causes us to wander from God's commandments. Proverbs 13.10 says pride causes strife with others. Now think about that one. If you are your own God and you're promoting your own little kingdom and you're looking out for number one and you have to work with someone who's also promoting their own little kingdom and they're looking out for number one, well, their number one and your number one are not the same number one and so you're not working for the same goal, so what's going to happen? There's going to be strife. Okay, so there's like two fallen people in any room, you're going to have an argument eventually. All right, so pride causes strife. Um, ultimately, pride turns us into scoffers and haughty people. You know, haughty is the English word for stuck up, right? You know, we just mean stuck up, your nose up in the air. Proverbs twenty one twenty four says that. Um, Isaiah, uh, Shane preached on this a long time ago back in the old church, but Isaiah three sixteen through 26 is a rebuke of the women of Israel who were going around and dressing seductively and, and uh, immodestly, and they were basically wearing all this glamorous stuff because they were pride of their, they're proud of their own appearances. So pride can make us boast in what we look like. Okay, It can also make us boast in our fleshly lusts. Uh, later in that same book, Isaiah 5, 8 through 17, and we also saw it in Psalm 49, pride causes us to build up our own little mini kingdoms. You know, in Isaiah, he was talking about they add house to house and house to house. You know, but we can do that in our own, you know, world. We, we build up our own little mini kingdom all around us. You know, it's like maybe it's your reputation. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it, maybe it is a house. Maybe it's a car. Maybe it's whatever it is. You know, you build up. Maybe it's all of those things. You build them up thinking that that's what this life is all about, but it's not. Um, Matthew 23, 1 through 12, Mark 12, 38 through 40, and Luke 20, 46 through 47 are all parallel passages. And pride often manifests itself in spiritual ways uh, and makes us hunger for the praise of men. This is a rebuke of the Pharisees. The Pharisees wanted to look good in front of other people. That was their pride. They wanted, they were proud of themselves. They were proud of their own spiritual accomplishments. I am good. I am righteous. But they weren't. Um, if pride can deceive us into thinking we're something when we're not. So uh, that's Galatians 6 3. Uh, Luke 18, 9 through 11. This is again about the Pharisees. This is about the righteous man quote, righteous man praying, and then the, the sinner praying. Uh, and pride basically causes, deceives us into thinking that we're spiritually justified when we're not. Pride definitely causes us to be partial and to think we're better than others and to not associate with the lowly. First um, Corinthians 3 and First Corinthians 4, 6 through 8, uh, you can see where pride causes factions within a church. I mean, think about it. It's the same thing. It's the, if you have people that are all about themselves in the church, they're going to build up their little mini-kingdom within the church, and you have this little mini-kingdom over here warring against this little mini-kingdom over here and this little mini-kingdom over here. So we have to be super careful of that. Um, and also pride, uh, in 1 Corinthians 4, I want to flip there. And we'll see what else pride does. And this one I think is the most insidious of all. It's definitely the one that gets, I think, gets us in the most trouble. I like trouble here on this earth, I should say. Look at, uh, this is 1 Corinthians 4. This is after um, Paul, Paul has already rebuked the Corinthians. He's already talked to them about, you know, this being in faction, whatever. But look, uh, this little verse down, it's a little nugget here. Uh, in verse 18, 418, it says, Now some of you have become arrogant as though I were not coming to you. What is Paul saying here? He, 
Yeah, like, they're acting like, yeah, we can do whatever we want because Paul's not coming to us. He's not going to do anything, you know. But he says in verse 19, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills and I shall find out not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. Like, he's going to like, let's see how you are when I get here. I mean, you know, you, you're all boastful and prideful, but when I get there, let's see how things really go. Because Paul recognized that he had authority from God and they didn't. All right, but so pride can cause us to just disregard authority. It can cause us to say, you know what? I can do what I want. You know, I, I think about that all the time. You know, kids are like, I, you know, it's 2017. I can do what I want, you know. And unfortunately, a lot of times they can. But ultimately, that's not what's going to happen. Um, First Corinthians, I'm sorry, First Timothy 5.4 says that uh, pride is shown when we disagree with sound doctrine. And uh, again, in 1 Corinthians 5, 2, pride ultimately causes us to turn away from God's standard and to not mourn sin the way that we should. All right, so that's all the fruit of pride. And I'm really running behind. So the consequences of pride. Well, number one, and this is uh, the passage that I really want to come back to, is James 4, 6 and 1 Peter 5, 5. They both say the same thing. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Um, so God is opposed to the proud. In fact, um, in Proverbs six sixteen through 17, it says that pride is an abomination to the Lord. He says, there are six things that I hate, even seven that are an abomination. And pride is listed twice. Um, God literally caused the downfall of the following nations and people because of their pride. Israel, Judah, Babylon, Egypt, Nineveh, Assyria, Edom, Tyre, Satan, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Herod. Those are specifically people that, and nations that God have. There's passages in the scripture that says, because of your pride, this is going to happen to you. Nebuchadnezzar was forced to be a, a wild beast for a period of months until he gave honor to the Lord. Belshazzar, his kingdom was ripped from him and he was killed in one night. Um, Tyre was cast down. Satan was cast down out of heaven. You know, and we know it happened in Nineveh and Egypt and Assyria and Babylon. They didn't recognize that they were just tools in God's hands and they were self-inflated and God destroyed all of them. Israel, Judah, it was broken apart because of their pride because they stopped following after the Lord. Herod died and was eaten by worms. All because of their pride. You know, and the Bible specifically lists it is their pride. If we look at, look at Luke 1, 51, and Leviticus 26, 14 through 20, and Deuteronomy 8, 16, and Isaiah 2, 11 through 17, uh, 11 through 17, and Ezekiel 28, 1 through 10, every single one of those, and there's so many more, are passages on judgment for pride. God will not be mocked. He's not going to let His glory be given to another. And he will judge pride. And if you are going around acting in pridefulness, and God will be opposed to you, even as a believer, he will not be mocked, and he will bring down the things, he will bring things into your life to humble you. So, what is the answer to pride? Number one, repent. James one twenty one says, In humility, receive the word. Uh, Romans 12.3 says, Let a person not think of himself more highly than he ought. So recognize your place before the Lord. You can see that repeated in 1 Corinthians 10.12 and Psalm 8.1. 8.1 says, What is man that you're mindful of him, and the son of man that you take notice of him? Or Psalm 103.14 says that um, God knows our frame, that we are but dust. And if we would recognize that, that we're just dust, we're dirt. You know, and that everything that we have is from the Lord. That will go a long way in, in recognizing where we are. Um, Luke uh, 4, 8-11 says to humble yourself. And so does James 3, 10. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will exalt you. Practically speaking, one way that we can humble ourselves is to associate with the lowly. You're going to be around people that you, quote, think you're better than they are. Associate with them because it will teach you that you're not. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, remember the warnings of Scripture. Remember what happened to all of those nations. S- scripture specifically gives warnings. This is what happened to those people because of their pride. So remember that and don't fall into the same trap. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 12. And lastly, you know, as you're struggling with, okay, you're trying to put to death pride and you, that, that desire to be noticed, that desire to be recognized, that desire to be praised, whatever comes in, just remember that 1 Corinthians 10, 18 says, let the Lord commend you. Let the Lord exalt you. 
In summary, we can look at Philippians 2, 1 through 11. So we'll just end there. Sorry, I ran over. What am I kidding? This is Joel's class. He always runs over, right? Yeah. <laughs> Philippians 2, 1 through 11. It says, Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So in other words, put off your selfishness and, and your selfish ambition and put on the attitude which is in Christ. And this is what it says. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not requal- regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. See, alone of all people, he could have said, I did do this. I do deserve this. I am but he put that aside. He did not regard that as something that he would take on himself, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So, my encouragement to you is that you will have listened to this and realized that pride is such an insidious root of destruction in our own lives. And it's there. I mean, I don't have to ask you. It's there. It's in all of us. It's a fruit of our fallen nature. But God, through His Holy Spirit, allows us to be humble, allows us to forget ourselves. Uh, C.S. Lewis talked about, and I can't quote this exactly, but he talked about, you see a man that's humble, he won't be thinking about himself at all. So that's, that's my encouragement. Just die to yourself. Let, let God take credit because God is due the credit. Give God the credit. Um, recognize that He is the giver of everything that you have and that everything that you owe is His. And all the praise belongs to Him. It's all to Him and for Him and through Him. Let's pray.